0: This is Anthony Arena and you're listening to In the Arena. Step! This episode of In the Arena was sponsored by Sales Gravy University. You know I'm good friends with Jeb Blunt, and you know he does great work, and you know he wrote Fanatical Prospecting, but you may not know that he created Sales Gravy University. And what is Sales Gravy University, you ask? And it's a great question. Sales Gravy University is sales training in your pocket. What you're going to get is an innovative training app that's going to help you accelerate your sales performance and improve your income, and it's in your pocket. It's on your phone, whether that's an iPhone or an Android phone. You can go out to the iTunes store and download the app, or you can go to the Play Store and download the app there. Here's what you're going to get. You're going to get the platform when you sign up, and you're going to be able to buy what you want. There's going to be in-app purchases there for you. You can purchase some Courses for 99 cents. And that might be a short video, a tutorial, or an audio program. You're also gonna find something that costs more. I think I have a program on there for $9.99. And it's how to plan a sales call. It's four modules, it's probably close to 25 minutes long, and it's content to help you set up success when you're going to do the most important thing that salespeople do, and that's go sit down face to face with a client or a prospect. Here's what I love about this platform. And this is where I think Jeb's genius comes in. This is spot training. So you're in your car. You've got a problem. You're going to go out. You're going to watch a video. You're going to read a tutorial, or you're going to listen to an audio track, and you're going to come up with the ideas that you need to succeed when you're sitting down with that customer, or maybe this is part of your personal development and your growth, and you're going to listen to one module every week, and you're going to work on that module, and then the next week, you're going to pick up something else and grow from there. Go check out Sales Gravy University. You can Google it, and you'll come up with the iTunes preview as the second link. You'll also find the link in the show notes or go out to the play store and search for sales gravy. I promise there's nothing else in the world called sales gravy and only a Southerner like Jeb Blunt who rides horses and eats steak and probably drinks whiskey is going to call something sales gravy because to a Southerner, nothing is real unless you can put gravy on it. Go check it out. When you get there, tell Jeb that I sent you and do check out the sales call planning module there. I think you'll love it and I think that you're going to find it super helpful when you go in to make a sales call. I don't remember exactly what year Al Gore gave his speech "An in Inconvenient Truth at TED, but I do remember watching the video and recognizing that the slide deck that he was using was so helpful in conveying his message and so helpful in compelling action that it drew everyone's attention. And that's what brought Nancy Duarte to my attention first, as well as her firm Duarte. And it brought Nancy to a lot of people's attention because the work was so good and so well done and so supportive of the message. It stuck out. It was differentiated in such a dramatic way. It was exceptional. She followed that up with a book to help people think about how to do this. That book is called Slideology, and the interview I referred to it as Slideology because that's how I thought it was pronounced, but it's Slideology, The Art and Science of Creating Great Presentations. That book was followed quickly by another book called Resonate, which is presenting visual stories that transform audiences, and I think that that book actually should have come first because it's so fundamental, and there's this great picture of a wheel of how people think about change and transformation using Star Wars as the the story and the metaphor that you immediately understand it and you can immediately apply what you just read. And now she's got a new book called Illuminate, which is igniting change through speeches, stories, ceremonies, and symbols. This book is really for leaders, but I think it's for salespeople as well. And she wrote this with a co-author, Patty Sanchez. And I've invited both of them here to speak with us about Illuminate, about Resonate, about Slideology, and about this idea of change and transformation, which I love so very much. So, with no further ado, Nancy Duarte and Patty Sanchez in the arena. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Patty. How are you? Perfect. (laughs) Awesome. She's saying that because I answer with perfect and I get the, really? You're perfect? And the answer is yes, unless you talk to my wife or my children, and then you're going to get varying uh, opinions. (laughs) I'm now a fan of Patty's, but Nancy, I've been a a fan of yours for a long time. And let me start. I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast are going to know your work just because you're so widely known. But your work came to my attention. And I think a whole bunch of other people when Al Gore did the TED Talk and your deck helped him convey that message in a way, unlike a lot of other decks that people have used to support the message they're trying to make. And Slideology came right after that, right?
1: Yeah, I was actually working on Slideology
0: while all that was going on. And what's interesting to me, that that book is really a how-to book. And yeah. you followed it with Resonate, which is more of a, a why-to book. And I've, I wanted to ask you this question ever since I read these two books, because To me, the order was wrong, and we told people Mm -hmm. how but not why, and I got Mm -hmm. the why book, and I'm like, all of the questions are answered now. (laughs) This answers all the questions, so it's such a, a great piece of work. What do you think about the order you publish those in?
1: Yeah, I love that you asked this because I'm, I'm, everything I'm doing is in reverse order. Yeah. So like you do your slides, but you don't really need slides unless you do your content. And then really, what do you need the content for? Well, it's for this greater movement and that's what illuminates about. And then now the next book is backing it up again. It's like, we're just keep zooming out like the Hubble telescope, I guess. But yeah, it was frustrating. I actually was thinking that in communication, most people that go and get their MBAs or whatever, they're never taught how to effectively create anything with any sort of visual hierarchy or effective visual communicators, yet people spend most of their time in tools like PowerPoint. So I thought, oh, you know, teach them visual hierarchy and key tips and tricks around that. And all the presentations would get better. And then I realized it really wasn't that slide making, it was the content making that was the problem. So yeah, so I've been on my own little journey as I've grown and you can see even in all my bodies of work, I actually grew as a stronger writer along the way, especially with this book, Writing with Patty, who's freaking brilliant, was a blast. So sometimes I open Slideology and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I wrote like that or I can't believe people love this book. (laughs) Because, you know, anyway. (laughs)
0: you're, You're supposed to keep growing, right? That's, yeah, that's important. Well, you know what? The book in in my mind it, it does this. So people needed that because what they were doing was awful. And so at the time, yeah. it's sort of like the runway in fifty thousand feet. We can't probably get to fifty thousand feet when the runway is still a mess. And I do think mm-hmm. that it allowed people to say, "Wait a second, you can oh, do that's true, huh? You can do better." You can do better yeah. than what you're doing and you can clean this up and make it more compelling and start thinking about what you're delivering as you tell stories. And then maybe we can get you off of that long enough to get you focused on even Yeah, kind of
1: challenge the status quo a little bit. That's true.
0: I, I just wish I'd had resonate first because it's just, it's just, <laughs> it cleans everything up. So let's talk about the new book. Tell me about the idea. The book sort of centers on this theme of torchbearer. So let's start with that idea. And we'll bring Patty in on this one, too, who's been yeah. so kind and patient while I went through <laughs> yeah. all of it. Even though
1: of, she's perfect, right? <laughs> and,
0: and I have all this baggage with the order that the books came in that you cleaned up for me, so thank you. Uh,
1: well, you know, anytime. <laughs> you know, the concept of a torch bearer is so beautiful to me because the conditions under which you need to carry a torch aren't, you know… <laughs> usually amazing. It's usually dark and dank and clammy and you're stuck somewhere you weren't thinking you would ever be. And in some ways, that is what it's like to be a leader. And The torch doesn't light, it's not a lighthouse, it just lights a little bit of space in front of you so you realize, oh, I can go that far, I can see where I need to go. And the concept of the leader as the torch bearer was particularly lovely because you think about somebody who's a bearer of someone, they may be called to do something, but they never choose to bear it. Like Frodo, he had the ring, but he had to make a choice to be the ring bearer. And leaders, I think, are all called, but not everyone, you know, steps into that. So, this concept of the torchbearer and the travelers felt like, hey, we're going on a journey and we're all in this together. Felt less like leader, follower, or manager, team member. You know, we really wanted it to feel like it was a journey, you know, someone who was trying to help light the way on behalf of the travelers that are going along a journey with them, a journey through a transformation.
0: How do you want to add to that?
2: I think the metaphor of a journey is really helpful to illuminate, as Nancy said, what the role of the leader should be, but also to understand and empathize with what other people are going to experience. And that's really key to motivating Uh people to change. You know, you really have to see it through their eyes. And that's why we love this framework of the journey, because it's a visual metaphor to help leaders empathize.
0: I want to ask who, I mean, so we ended up with Luke Skywalker and Yoda and Resonate, and now we have (laughs) Galadriel and and Frodo in this one. So who's got the really high geek cred, Nancy? Is that you, that (laughs) you, you are Star Wars and Lord of the Rings?
1: No, I don't have the geek cred. Lord of the Rings is an epic length tale, and part of what we did look at was the structures of epic length tales, where they transcend generations and space and time, because that's what the really large companies do. So Lord of the Rings happened to be a list of one of several, and my son was actually kind of the subject matter expert in Lord of the Rings, because he's he just obsesses over everything Tolkien, and so he had to be like, you can't say it that way, that's not the way the whole universe of Tolkien works or whatever, so he was a little bit of our subject matter expert, but yeah, we had to have a little geek cred. We have a highly male audience, so we wanted to appeal to their geek appeal. You know,
0: and you—I mean, you—you've got it with me. I'm like, they know Frodo. This is amazing. This is
1: great. BFF, BFF with Frodo. And, yeah,
0: I—I I took my son to see the first movie when he was four, oh, and, oh my and he's gosh. seen all of them. And the only question he had through the whole movie was. Is that a good guy or a bad guy? It's just very, very, very hard to tell for a four-year-old. So let me let me go back to this idea of torchbearer, you know. And I've written in my book about the the salesperson's the guide that helps the client on their path, and they have to have the vision. And we have to we do have to recognize that it it is dark, and there are nobody has an easy time changing. There are going to be dragons, and you even have that image in your book. There are going to be challenges that come, and if it was easy we wouldn't need to do this. So this idea that I want to ask you about, I think that it feels to me like a lot of this is about why change? What's the vision? Where are we going? Is that right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to let Patty take that, but I'll take it. I think that in storytelling and in life, it's a lot about transformation. That's what a story is. It's this likable person who goes through this really tough something or other, right? This really tough roadblocks, whatever it is. And then they emerge transformed. And Patty and I realized that people, instead of calling for presentations, they're like, you know, this presentation's really, I'm really doing a movement. It's not just a presentation, it's a movement. And so that was when we backed up and we're like, you know what? We need to understand storytelling at a bigger scale scale? What are some business movements, social movements, where presentations played a really critical role? And that's what kind of led us through these larger scale transformations that turned out because of the leader who communicated well. So it is a journey. It's a journey together in mass. You know, most stories are about a single protagonist, but usually when there's a transformation like this, you're moving a lot of people, a lot of travelers along with you. So it was totally fun. We had a really good time.
2: Patty. It was a good time to write the book, <laughs> but you know the experience of going through change is not such a good time. Yeah. You know, as Nancy was talking about, and I think that one of the things we talk about as as a tool that leaders can use to move people is that encouraging communication. It's one of the things that maybe comes naturally to some people to be motivating. You know, keep doing it. You're you know doing it a great job. You can, yes, you can. But there's also a need to sometimes use what we call warning communication, because you can find yourself in front of a huge abyss and just freeze and say, you know, back to your question of why must I change? And so sometimes the leader also needs to point out the costs of staying where you are and can sort of push them into the abyss a little bit with the harsh realities of what will happen if they don't choose to change. So, you know, it it takes both that positive and negative communication to get people moving and keep them going.
0: That's in my experience. I think a lot of leaders focus on the how and the what and not the why. And so it's how are we going to change? What are we going to change? But the the people that they lead, the people in their charge need to know why in order to buy in. Let me work us into the framework a little bit. And we'll just talk about a couple of these in Illuminate. Let, let's start with the, this is my favorite. And I think this is the one that seems in in my experience to be the most challenging. And it's for the leader to listen and empathize at the beginning of inviting people in and this is the part where me as the follower or as the person who is is being invited into this journey I have all these concerns and issues and most of the time a leader blows right past that so share share your thoughts I'm- on on that piece of the frame
2: Right. Well, I think it's a sort of a human flaw that we tend to see things from our perspective and not others and a lot of times leaders think that the you know the why change doesn't need to be explained because it's self-evident they've already worked through it in their heads. They've got the case and they think it should just be an obvious decision for people. But the fundamental fact is that people don't do things for your reasons. They do them for their reasons. And so you have to find the thing in the other person that will make them want to change and That's where listening comes in. The leader has to be able to truly understand what's in it for their travelers. What do they stand to gain? What do they stand to lose if they embrace this big idea that you're trying to move them toward? And if you can do that, then you'll be able to speak from a place that resonates more with your travelers. It speaks to the reasons why this is going to be good for them. And being an empathetic listener is helpful in that respect, that it helps you sort of spin the story, if you will, right? To be more appealing to people, but it also helps build bonds and emotional connections that are necessary when you're going through change. You know, if people encounter obstacles along the way, they're going to get frustrated, they're going to get scared, they might get angry. And if you don't listen to that, chances are they're going to rise up and revolt against you. So you need to give them the chance to air those frustrations, those concerns. It's really critical for them to be able to express those emotions so that they can move on.
0: And in my experience, they'll just wait you out.
2: <laughs>
0: they, 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 that, they,
2: right there in the bottom of the abyss with a big old stick
0: yeah and they've they, they've waited out all kinds of uh, initiatives in the past we'll wait this one out too unless you can get the hearts and minds and i think that's the the empathy do you have a a, a feeling on why leaders are accused of lacking empathy is it because they're drivers do you have an idea on that
2: well i uh, <laughs> are we getting are we see, getting
0: <laughs> Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm I'm the one that's like, a you know, I'm, I I'm more driven and Patty's more empathetic. So I love to hear, hear how she explains this part because I learn something every time. <laughs> uh,
0: something about yourself? <laughs> mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've changed. I changed from working with her in a really good way. So go ahead, Patty. Let me learn more.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I guess it shouldn't be a surprise. I take an empathetic stance even to this because I think it's easy for the followers to say the leader's Are, I don't know, self centered or domineering. And that's why they're trying to get us to do things we don't want to do. And I think it's because something I said earlier that. A leader often spends so much time thinking through the strategy that they've, that they've convinced themselves it's so right. They can't see another possibility. They can't imagine why others wouldn't think it's a good idea to go there. And so that's my perspective is that a reasonable human being is what a leader is. And a reasonable human being might not just even think that there's another alternative that people would embrace.
0: Except in business and in all human endeavors, fast is slow and slow is fast. And the more empathy and the more time you spend helping people with that invitation and dealing with their concerns, the faster it goes. And then the less, the harder it is, right?
2: Right. Absolutely. I mean, you could say that it may feel like it slows you down in the beginning to ask those questions to get people's buy-in, but what it should actually do is remove roadblocks later in the process. Like you said, they'll wait you out. And and so trust. And right,
0: I know you care
2: exactly, and in fact, they might also surface things that you didn't see that will make your strategy more sound. So don't assume that you know everything and that you've envisioned all the possible obstacles. They might teach you something.
0: Was that the coaching that you wanted me to help you give Nancy today on this podcast <laughs> I mean, that you set up at the beginning? <laughs> yeah.
1: Thank you. She'll <laughs> write you a check later.
0: <laughs> let's let's go forward in the framework and look at dreams. So. I am particularly fascinated with the revolution speech and ceremonies, if you could speak to those two ideas that I find just super compelling.
2: Yeah, absolutely. In the book, we talk about the fact that each moment along the journey, each of these five stages has a different energy. They need a different feeling. And dream is is a moment of inspiration. People need to feel connected to your vision. They need to internalize it and embrace it and To the degree that it becomes their dream, you know, a place that they want to go. And if this is a glorious utopian future, then, you know, you're giving a vision speech. This is, you know, I have a dream. This is where we're going. But sometimes the world is so corrupt, (laughs) things are so far off track that your dream is really about turning things upside down and returning order to the universe, which is really what a, a revolution speech is about. It's about this has gone on too long. It's time for a new approach to take hold. And you really need to rally people in that moment, rile them up, actually, to rage against the status quo and help you turn the world back upright again.
0: Let's talk about ceremonies, too, if you don't mind.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, we, we talked a little bit about The the power of speech and storytelling, which is a great way to communicate why and how you want people to change. But ceremonies actually help people almost rehearse or practice what that change will be like. In the dream phase, we talk about the need for immersion ceremonies, which effectively act like a baptism. They drop people into the end state you want them to create so that it permeates their senses. So it's not just that they're hearing it from you, but they're also feeling it and they're experiencing it for themselves. And, you know, people can do this by creating environments, interactive exhibits that people step into so that they can see this world. We're working with a company in the transportation space right now that I can't name, but they have a tremendous, (laughs) tremendous disruptive way to move people and literally around the world. And what's critical is that people can experience it, that they can see themselves in this reality. And so ceremonies help them do that. Ceremonies are almost like, you know, what we experience in our daily lives when we have a wedding ceremony, right? Or a bar mitzvah or something like that. It's almost like a rehearsal for the person you're becoming. And that's what ceremonies can do in this moment is help people rehearse the role that they'll play and and how life will be different in that new future.
0: Have you had that experience in consulting with clients with large group-type ceremonies, or is this mostly smaller groups and individuals?
2: It can definitely happen in large group settings. In some ways, the interactive elements of a presentation are almost like a ceremony. You can think about at a sales kickoff meeting, right, where you're launching the strategy for the year, and these are the pillars of our sales strategy for the year. A lot of times, people will also do an activity that Fires people up. In that case, it's really more like a rally. You know, one organization, when they're talking about their strategy for beating a competitor, they actually pass around a Viking hat and the salespeople put it on and they take on that persona of the warrior who's going to beat that competitor this year. That's a ceremonial kind of act that it fires people up.
0: And it's fun. <laughs> Let's keep moving forward. And I, I like the idea also about the big fight you know, in my world in sales, when you bring on a client, there's always challenges. And if it was easy, then your competitor would have already fixed the problem. And a lot of it's, it's just your will of how are you going to, to move through that? And and how do you think about what other people are thinking as well as what your team is dealing with? And this is the stage where things start to fall apart. So tell me about when things start to fall apart in this idea of the big fight.
2: Well, this is a place where story is instructive. If you think back to the films that we love and the novels that we love, there's always a moment where the hero is tested really deeply. And oftentimes it's in the middle of and immediately after a great fight, right? With a dragon or think Braveheart. What people need in that moment is not just to be reminded of why they're doing this. And and oftentimes that battle cry speech does that. You know, we're we're doing this to preserve our freedom. But people also need Need to be emboldened in believing that they have the stuff to win. So it's not just an outer journey. This is what we're going to accomplish together and the fight that we all have to win together, but it's also an inner journey because when we encounter really tough obstacles, we tend to doubt ourselves. Maybe not the first time, but if we run up against that obstacle again and again and again, we start to wonder why am I here? Why can't I best this situation? And that's when they really start to doubt their own capabilities. And so as a leader, you have to remind them that they have this stuff. And again, stories can really be a powerful way to do this, to tell them stories of times when together you've overcome an enemy or times when you yourself have been in the same situation and what things you learned, the principles that you held fast to that helped you overcome. That's what people need to hear from you too. They need you to rebuild their confidence that they themselves are capable of winning.
0: And remind them they've done so in the past.
2: Right, exactly. And tell and retell those stories yeah. again.
0: Nancy, you want to add to that?
2: No, I'm just totally
1: always agreeing with Patty. Just, just the saying, usual. Go Patty. I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, so far, we've got Luke Skywalker, Yoda, Frodo, and now Braveheart, which is a man's movie. And it's required that every man watches that movie every time it's on TV. <laughs> so you found a way exactly. to work that into so you, you know your audience. <laughs> tell me about the book. Who was this book for? In your mind, who did you write this for? Who was the audience?
2: All along, we said that we were writing to leaders, and everybody has a different definition of what that is in a lot of corporate America that people interpret that to mean the executive suite, the C-suite, or the heads of business units, and certainly those are the people at the top of the food chain with a lot of power and resources and accountability to make things happen. The way I think about it is a leader is anywhere up and down that chain in the organization who has an idea that they need other people to embrace. And they need to understand that if that idea is big, it requires more than just their own energy. It's going to take the hard work and cooperation of other people. And so they have to be great at communicating why that idea is important to others to enlist them, enlist their support in bringing it to reality. So it could be your idea about, I don't know, a new piece of software that needs to be implemented. And you just need a couple people to buy off the budget and maybe help you with the project. Or it could be transforming the way that your department operates. It doesn't have to be corporate-level transformation. It can happen anywhere in the organization.
0: The book, to me, it seems very broad in the audience that anybody who has to do the work of moving through change, this is the right book to give them because I don't even know... I mean, I know I didn't have the framework in my mind that you've laid out sort of sequentially and logically to say this is the frame. And I I think it's helpful because if you just sort of know where you are and what your outcome is, then you've got a nice schematic in there to walk people through how to think about that and then how to create the story and the tools to go around that story. Can you speak to, to the tools that are included with the book? And I think there's a download too, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. There's So so the book lays out the five stages of the journey, and then there's a chapter for every stage that breaks down what people need to hear, see, and do in that moment, including examples of speeches, examples of stories, examples of ceremonies and symbols, and practical tips about how to craft great ones. And then there's also a toolkit, which is also available for download. It's a massive matrix of all of those tools by stage. So it basically becomes like a roadmap. You can say, all right, where am I? I'm in the fight. People are feeling discouraged. I need to motivate them. I need to tell this kind of a speech. And so it really is almost like a menu that can help you plan what you need to say and show and do in that moment.
0: And can you go backwards and forwards through this frame?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's
0: what it feels like to me too. If you if you find yourself stuck, you can go back and pick up where you really need to be. It's not completely linear. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And, and you'll know that, too, if if people are definitely stuck and not willing to move on. You may realize that you didn't bring closure in the previous stage well enough. You know, sometimes before people can embrace a new idea, you have to kill the old idea and bury it. And so if they're not leaping in, perhaps you need to circle back and mourn the ending of whatever you need them to let go of. So definitely move forward and backward and up and down.
0: <laughs> it's a it's a terrific piece of work, like everything that that you've done. And again, the order, I don't know how you got here. And if you have something past this, I don't know what it is, because I think the ideas have gotten <laughs> bigger and more transformative as you've gone. But I w- I can't wait to see what the next one is. It's pa- going to be a good one. <laughs> I want to be on the early list of people. We're already to get working the on it.
2: <laughs> you got it.
0: Um, let me, uh, Patty, I'm going to make Nancy uncomfortable and ask her some questions because she's so quiet. And she- <laughs>
2: Yes, please.
0: Nancy, <laughs> what are you reading right now?
1: I'm reading mm-hmm. Crucial Conversations. In oh, fact, the whole company is reading Crucial Conversations. We're taking it systemic. So, um, I have to, you know, practice what I preach. So, that's what I'm reading.
0: Very, very good book and uh, mm-hmm. really just terrific work. That book's an old book now. That's probably, what,
1: yeah, 20 years old? Uh, it is, and and I don't read much for pleasure, but I'm kind of digging into uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin, too. My daughter was like, I just listened to Uncle Tom's Cabin, <laughs> so I'm going back 20 years, and then I'm going back 100 years on my book reading material here.
0: It's funny how your kids do that to you. My son is a, a theater kid, and I, I took him to see Hamilton for his uh, his 18th oh, birthday, oh, and I read, I read Ron Chernow's book, and then I saw Lin-Manuel Miranda's version, and I'm like, I didn't see that in this book. I mean… <laughs> there was no hip hop and it's it's so compelling but it reminds me you know him being passionate about it reminds me of this story yeah. and i had to go back and pick that book up and start over what's, yeah what's the most important book you've ever read and why
1: in my whole life i would say the best book the one that centers me the most that i keep going back to over and over and over is definitely the bible i think the psalms the proverbs the book of james the book of john there's just my go to my go to sections there it really kind of calmed me down and Kind of transcend me.
0: Always reminds me of how much work I still have to do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that too.
0: Who, who personally has had the biggest influence on your thinking?
1: On my thinking, I would say is Jim Collins. His book, Good to Great, and his book, Why the Mighty Fall, hit me at just the moment I needed him to make massive business decisions. Something about the way he words things, it just rings in me so much as true. I just bake it right into my strategy for the year.
0: Another one of the writers where you read their work and you say, wow, there's kind of a big gap between this and and what I'm doing right now. And he's got the ability to show you that. Yeah. I'm going to ask you this one. It's a tough one. I'm sorry. I didn't know about all the stuff that Patty had to tell me. No, I'm kidding. It's in the book. Nancy's (laughs) story is in the beginning of the book. So this is an inside (laughs) joke. But if you buy the book, it's not inside anymore. What's the most important lesson you've learned in life up to this point?
1: I think that I've really realize that all of my body of work is based in empathy. And like all the models, even slideology, a lot of it has empathy. And, and my quest is because I had no... Empathy modeled to me as a child because my mom was a narcissist, and a narcissist doesn't have the empathy gene. So, as I claw away at all these books and all these models, I'm making them for me because I'm not like we were. I was laughing with Patty before this call, and I'm like, Yeah, one of my own employees coached me to think about the audience. You know, I write <laughs> that's all in my book, and I'm like, Dang it! I mean, I, I write books about it, and I still keep forgetting about thinking about others before I think about myself. So, Quiet, I, Nancy, I'm, don't
0: tell tell everybody that all these things that we write are really for us
1: (laughs) they really (laughs) are this is
0: us working on us
1: yeah so i think that's my big lesson though i i do think i'm getting transformed the more and more i work hard on it i do feel like i'm changing
0: you're softening nancy you think i think so i read it in the book it's got to be true patty (laughs) is she softening
2: yes a (laughs) hundred percent
0: there you go nancy (laughs) If you, weren't, if you weren't doing the writing and the consulting and the work that you do at Duarte, I this to both of you, what would you be doing instead?
1: I would be grandmothering. I'm a grandmother, three-month-old, and I, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm like, how can I cut back all my hours so I can see them almost every day?
0: <laughs> all, all the joy oh, no. of children, none oh, of the responsibility.
1: Man, it's so fun. It's,
0: it's straight-up joy. Yeah, Patty.
2: Wow, I almost said working with kids, and then that sounded like a lot of work after her example. So, never mind. You know, actually, I would love to be teaching a humanities class and and just wallowing in philosophy and art and creativity and history, uh, with absolutely no need to produce deliverables. no deadlines no clients
1: no clients in your face (laughs)
0: exactly my my favorite classes i took in college and i didn't start college i was 26 i did with my english lit teacher and i went to her and i said i just want to read i'm not going to write any papers i'm not going to take any tests i just want to write a syllabus where i just get to read you can ask me any questions but all i want to do is just dive into the material and she let me do that for two semesters wow and i did 13 shakespeare's and I did thirteen, you know, great works of history, brothers Karamazov and Don Quixote and all that stuff. And it was my very best experience is having time to work in that.
2: What a luxury. Wouldn't it be nice to go back? That's Lord. why I write books about storytelling now.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's helpful. What Nancy, what do you hope to be remembered for?
1: Wow. Okay. So, in the whole world, I'd love to be remembered for my body of work, I think. I mean, that's been my gift. Personally, I would love my children to feel like they felt like I
0: loved them. Do they feel that way?
1: I do hope so. (laughs) You, That's. You, I mean, I think so. I've just never asked them if they felt that way. It's really more of a reflection of a void in my own life, of not having felt that from my own mom. So it's like a vow I made to myself that my own children would know you know, that I yeah. love them. I think they would definitely say so. But yeah, they might be a whole lot of that other sentiment all wrapped up in there too, but I, they definitely would know that I love them.
0: You can hang up when we're done and call and tell them that you do.
1: Yeah, I'll be like, you better tell me you love me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I need it. Patty, how about you?
2: I would love to be remembered by the people I helped as a person who encouraged them to be more than they thought they could be, because I really would like to see more humans fulfill their potential and know that it's never too late to be the person and live the life that you dreamed of.
0: Patty brings us right back full circle to transformation oh. where we started. Patty, <laughs> way to tie a bow on that. Yeah. This is why Nancy's got you there. Right?
2: Yeah.
1: Actually, you can, nobody else gets to write a book with her but me. So don't
0: even try it. Thank you so so much for sharing this. I really appreciate it. Your work on this book together is absolutely wonderful. It's a must read, in my opinion, for leaders. And also, I think in my audience, if you're a salesperson or a sales leader, we're change agents. And I think that this book is a, a schematic for looking at it and thinking of it with a different lens than we typically put onto that kind of activity. So thank you so much for this. I really appreciate your time.
1: That was fun. Thank you.
0: I love how open and transparent people are becoming as guests on In the Arena. Nancy Duarte is exceptional. Patty Sanchez did a terrific job. You can find their book Illuminate everywhere, but you can go to the show notes and you'll find links to Nancy and Patty. You'll find links to Illuminate. There is a kit that goes along with it, so we'll find that link for you and put it in the show notes so you can go out and get the resources that come along with the book. I'm Anthony Anarino. You can find me at thesalesblog.com. When you go there, I'm going to throw a pop-up banner at you immediately because I want your first name and I want your email address so that I can send you my very best work every week in your inbox on Sunday morning. You can read that as you plan your week, and I know you're planning your week because you want to be successful. And then you can apply what you read to your work the following week. There's always an actionable insight. There's always a few questions there to challenge your thinking. And that's what I want to do is get you started on your path to transformation. And maybe I can be your torchbearer and illuminate the way for you. One last thing. Do me a favor. Share this with your friends. Share it with your family. Share it with your peers. And go out to iTunes and leave me a rating and a review. Tell me what you think about the show. I appreciate it very much. And you can contact me at thesalesblog.com. Go to the contact page. Love to get your feedback. Love to get your notes. Until next time, I will see you back here in the arena. There's never been a better time to be a salesperson or a success-minded individual in human history. We now have in our hands more tools, more technology, and more insight available to us than ever before. I'm proud to announce our new sponsor for this Episode of In the Arena, Jeffrey Gittimer and Gittimer Gold Webinars, the Year of the Sale. And what is the Year of the Sale and Gittimer Gold Webinars? Here's what you're going to get you're going to get 12 webinars. You're going to get a full year of personal and professional development for sales professionals and, I would argue, success-minded individuals. It begins with webinar one, the new sale, and I'm only going to touch on this one because it's so important. It's Gittimer giving you his very best ideas on what's now, what's new, what's next, How are sales being made and how are we going to make sales over the next decade? And this is just the greatest building block, cornerstone content for what follows. And with that, you're going to get content on following up. You're going to get content on cold calling. You're going to get content on social selling, relationships, Managing millennials, you're going to get content on how to be a trusted advisor. We use those words, but nobody tells you what you're supposed to do to be that trusted advisor. You're also going to get some ideas about differentiation that come from Gittimer, who is somebody who's very, very creative in this space and has differentiated himself amazingly in this market. I would argue, perhaps the best in the market when it comes to differentiating and brand building. You're also going to get a bonus webinar called Dominate 2016. And this is not just sales content. This is who do you need to be and what do you need to do if you're really going to win in this year. And this is content that will help you succeed every year. So you go to jeffreygittimer.com forward slash gold. You'll also find this in the show notes and you pay monthly or you pay annually. If you pay monthly, it's 79 bucks a month for 12 webinars. You're making a 12 month commitment. And if you pay for the whole year at once, it's $500. You're going to save some money there. You're going to get exclusive access to a Facebook group. And you are going to develop yourself personally and professionally. But wait, There is more. If you use the word Anthony as the code when you sign up, you're going to get a massive discount on either one of these programs. So go out and visit my friend Jeffrey Gittimer at JeffreyGittimer.com forward slash gold. Check out the webinars. Do invest in your personal and professional development. It's so important. You are the only asset that you have. You're the only resource that you have. And the bigger and stronger that resource and asset is for you, the more success you're going to have. Go check it out, Gittimergold, jeffreygittimer.com forward slash gold. When you get there, tell Git that Anthony sent you. I am Anthony Anarino and you can find me at thesalesblog.com. When you go there, you're going to be assaulted by a pop-up banner when you try to click on something or when you try to leave, and that's so that I can get your first name and your email address. I'm going to send you every Sunday morning content that you can use in your sales game or your business game or your success game. That's long form, actionable, something that you're going to be able to look at Monday morning and say, I've got ideas and I can get to work improving myself and my results. Also, go visit me at youtube.com forward slash Ann Do subscribe there where I'll send you video content. Me talking into the camera, sharing ideas with you or interviewing other people. Thanks so much for being here. I'll see you next time right here in the arena.